Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. I am the legendary Burl Bear. That's Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. And on the phone, Sean Sutherland, alias Layer Kate, New York. He, where you guys um, where do you guys record at? Uh, we record from some secret bunker in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, <laughs> As he would say, I, I know, I know, I know. We got Punch listening too. He's uh, he's a regular of you guys. Him and I are working on uh, the documentary. We're working on with Burl too. We we've, I've spent the last I don't know eight months kind of really bogging down on the research and fact checking and. Going back and forth with agents, and and we had we had a film crew, Boca from Canada, come down to New York and start filming the documentary with us. Uh, we've been interviewing people and talking to his uh, his network of individuals of crazy characters that he's had for all his years, uh, and the story is just it's bigger than how Punch describes it. Anything that I listen to Punch talk to on the you know on your guys show and and, and anything else is just bigger than you could ever imagine you know um it's, that makes the whole thing really exciting i'm looking forward to the final product yeah yeah we uh we've been working on it really hard we're uh we're back and forth with uh networks right now and um we're working with uh a couple of really big hollywood guys and I think we're going to pull it through. We're going to pull it through, and it's going to be a... It, the story's too good. The story has to be told. It's a, it's a, real, it's a real New York story that just, it just... It's hard to beat. What? These guys were so meticulous. Um, you know, I got to talk with this agent uh, in the FBI who is uh, actually inside the 47th Street Diamond District, and... You know the guy, these guys that were working in the in the nineties, you know the eighties and the nineties. Yeah, they didn't leave any evidence. They left everything there. They left all their tools there. They these guys were were were, were just real real meticulous about how they did their jobs. And after like doing some of the research and and, and reading the the cop who you know eventually uh, got uh, punched. You know, he, he, he thought he was chasing after, he kind of got close to these guys. He figured out that they were, you know, Yugoslavians, Albanians, Serbians. They, nobody really knew what any of them were. Because <clears throat> when you read about them, they have so many aliases. And in the 70s, they were actually able to acquire real identification. They were really getting real IDs with the wrong names on it. They were getting real passports. Because, you know, like, it was the right time. The 60s, the 70s, the 80s, you could kind of get all that stuff. It was Not now. Now it's really hard to get, uh, you know, in the system and stuff like that. These guys would go to, go to the DMV and sign up for new IDs, and they didn't have to prove to the DMV who they were, and they would get new IDs. And so these, all these guys had multiple aliases and names, and it was just so hard to find them because they were so smart. You know, and, um, you know, the, a couple a couple agents really made it their mission to find these guys, and it was just almost impossible. Well, um, But they knew a... who they were, but they knew who they were. That was the worst, that was the funny part. And it, when you ask what's the most craziest thing that I've discovered is the cops knew who these guys were. They couldn't, they couldn't arrest them, though. It was just like, 
just like how John Gotti. They, you know, and, and the other thing is that victimless crimes don't sell newspapers. Right. You know, victimless crimes don't don't win major mm-hmm. points down at the squad house. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the district attorneys are aren't they, they pick and choose those cases, especially you know New York eighty nineties. I mean, there were judges that were doing you know uh, case shopping. You know the district attorneys. So these low level these these victimless crimes of robbery. They were almost just like put through the system. Let Sean know that the imaginary borough bear. It's not. I'm not imaginary. I'm sure. legendary. <laughs> there is a subtle legendary difference. Borough. Legendary borough. <laughs> That's right. Imaginary. So New York at that time, especially the police department, was so horrifyingly corrupt. There wasn't any really any anything of great benefit, sociologically or politically. For these guys to make a big deal out of them. There were, the major case squad was going after, as you mentioned, John Gotti, and criminals yeah. who killed each other. Uh, those guys were pulling, those guys were doing real wild shit. So, yeah. it, they, listen, they, Keenan, if, if he caught these guys, you know, red-handed, maybe, but chasing after people that didn't get hurt, you didn't even know who they were, and they didn't sell newspapers. It, the respect it got was nothing. It was like, Little tiny mentions, if they even got reported to 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 the to the media, because you know media they get all those those tips and they pay they pay the cops, they give them money, you know they give them incentives, and so where does the cop gonna go? Oh, another jewelry store was robbed, and they go, oh, okay, well that's it, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, if really we have uh, any money, so cops didn't care. Plus, plus they're leaving out diamonds for the cops, like in that movie, The Inside yeah. Man. No, I know, I know. That's what I'm trying to say. Plus, they were keeping quiet because they were stealing. They were stealing money too. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like when you, when you, when you see this guy, you know Keenan, who was chasing after Gotti and chasing after Punch. This guy was in Armani suits. Oh yeah, he was wearing. What cop in the in the nineties? Those cops weren't making anything. Thirteen thousand a year. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they were making. A major, a major detective will make thirty thousand bucks, as I know, because my father was one. Yeah, you know what I mean. So my, so and I know what he was making. I cross reference him. My other uncles were were all major detectives in in uh, in homicide and everything else. Like they're like, so we're lucky we made thirty grand. That's overtime. <laughs> That's doing eighty hours a week. Now wearing our body suits. <laughs> Yeah, Armani suit, sure. Those guys are going to drop $2,000 on Armani suit. Yeah, sure. Sure, 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 sure. Well, that's what Punch said about Keenan. He said, boy, he he would have been perfect on my squad. (laughs) He would have fit right in. Yep, he would have. And when when Keenan got him, you know, he... he, uh, and, and Punch is giving him all of his best lines, you know, just a bunch of BS. The guy says, you're a good kid. <laughs> he, says, you're, he says, you're really good. And he takes him out to lunch at a, uh, a you know, Giro place, you know, and uh, Slovakia or something. <laughs> He says, "Well, you'll you'll probably go to the go into the movies when you get done doing this." He tells him, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> uh, <laughs> and look, and then, and then too. Uh, you know, and it's just too good of a story. And you know, and 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 Paul knows I've been kind of going back and forth with the networks and studio heads, and I've got into a lot of these meetings, and I sat down and kind of showed all these guys everything. You know, Burl's book about Punch. Uh, you know, the movies, the scripts, the, everything. And people are blown away because of the sheer volume of information that these guys have ha- have compiled over the last 20, 30 years, 50 years. 
It's amazing. You know? I mean, there's enough yeah, material amazing. that some showrunner could sit down and block out seven seasons, shoot yep. it, and put it in syndication, and retire. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and, and let me tell you something. And the best part of it is you don't have to fantasize about anything. It's all there. It writes all itself. You know, I'm sitting down. Uh, you know, I'm currently working on a script, a uh, movie script for these guys. And I'm just like, it just writes itself. You yeah. know, and, 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 and Burl's book is so good about Punch because... It's all true. It's a true story. And, 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 and you don't have to make and you don't have to lie about these things. And find out, you know, the mysterious figures that are behind them. And, you know, you got, you have all of the elements. You have the CIA. You have the richest families in New York. You have criminals. You have the mafia. You have the police. I mean, it's a really... And then you got the showbiz things. I mean, you got Burt uh, Bert Reynolds, our producer's a close personal friend. Unfortunately, he's passed away. But uh, he was a friend of Mr. Stan's at big parties uh, on Long Island, uh, etc. And Charles Bronson and Mr. Stan, Punch's dad, yeah, were Charles close Bronson. friends. Were yeah, close friends. yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, just like L.A. in New York, everybody hangs out at the hot spots. Yeah. Gangsta anybody with money... <clears throat> You know, anybody that has any type of clout, it doesn't matter if, it, you know, the same for New York. Yeah. Just hang out with, with you know, mobs. Movers, shakers, Baptists, and Quakers. People. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all those people kind of combine. So, you know, when you and when people even question the, you know, they're like, well, how do you know all these celebrities? How did you know all these people? These guys owned, what do you think they did with all their money? When you, when you steal money, when you steal, when you sell drugs, when you do all these things, you open up restaurants because you want to hang out with your friends. Right. That's just a natural thing to do. All, all the gangsters I know wanted to open up restaurants and bars. Not because it was noble and that's what was easy to do. No, they wanted to have a place for all their friends to hang out at. Right. You, you know what I mean? So it was only, a, it was only the, the natural, organic way for uh, eventually for celebrities and all these people to come into these these restaurants and these bars because it's just an, it's just a natural organic thing that happens in New York and in, and in LA too. Oh yeah, Vegas also. Yeah. There you know, so you, yeah, you can always tell some of the uh, more connected restaurants. You go in and you say, "I like the veal scallopini, please." The waiter says, "You don't want that tonight." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You don't want that. You want the Oso Buco. Okay, fine, whatever you say. I had Oso Buco last night. Oh, good Oso Buco is, is something to rave about. I'll tell I you. had it last yeah. week, but the doctors cleared it. <laughs> they cured it? Yes, they did. Yeah. Oh, that's a tragic story, too. Yeah, but, 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 but really kind of like going through and then finally, you know, I, you know, I, I, I grew up in a, in a family where there was a detective in the house and everything was very, very strategically thought out and everything else. And after sitting there and putting everything up on a huge whiteboard of all the picture, I mean, like, it's a, it's a story like nothing you've ever heard, you know, because it's just too many moving pieces. You got guys that are international. You got guys that are in Peru. You got guys that are in France and Montenegro and, 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 and all around the world. I mean, look at the things that these guys are doing. Look what these guys may or may not have just did recently in Germany. Like you don't, you know what I mean. Like these guys, these guys are, are are still out there in the world working very hard. And they don't have to. Yeah, and they don't have to. That's what it is. It's a passion. You know what I mean. These these guys love it. You know when we're when we interviewed Punch to do the documentary, there were times where. He would he would get all you know super emotional because yeah. he was he he misses 
He hasn't done anything illegal in a long time. And he, you could tell that. He misses it. He just, he misses it. He loves it. Like, you know what I mean? He just, when he ever he talked about heights and talked about the way they got in through the buildings. And even when I was walking with him through 47th Street, okay, people noticed him every 10 feet, okay? Yeah. People would nod at him. We ran into a couple of the very questionable characters that are within his life story. Mm. And that was something to be seen because. Oh, boy, I wish I would have been there for that. Yeah, like, I mean, they embraced them. I can't, I don't want to say who on, on radio who we saw, but, I mean, the guy's like 90 years old, and he's on the street with Punch, and Punch and them are like practically crying and hugging each other because these guys did the most insane shit you could ever think of. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you when you have that type of adrenaline rush, and when you share that type of adrenaline rush with somebody, and there's a good possibility you can come out either whacked or in trouble, Mm-hmm. There's a bond ship. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And if you don't fuck those guys over, that bond lasts forever. So when we're walking through 47th Street and these old guys that are still out there in the world, and they see Punch, and Punch is like, "Oh my God, I can't," and you know, it's yeah. you. Like I can't even believe it. They haven't seen each other in 20 years. You know, 30 years. They're like, "Holy shit!" They're like embracing each other, oh, yeah. each other, pure love. You know what I mean? And 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 you and it's just it's just a true. True, like love story. It's almost an affair that these guys have for stealing. And and it was. Just and the thing really is, it would never hurt an individual person. They'd never rob your house. They'd never yeah. rob anyone who wasn't insured or overinsured. If the person yeah. didn't have enough insurance, if they found out mm-hmm. they didn't have enough insurance to cover it, they'd do something to make up for it. You know, mm-hmm. give them money back, yeah. give them his jewels. They never want anybody to lose anything. Yeah. Hey, hey, bro, well, I have you on the, what do you call it? Radio. On the radio, I want to talk to you about this, this whole situation with um, the Vizcaya. Oh, that, that's a fascinating story. Uh, yes, let's talk yeah. about the Viz- Vizcaya, if you want to talk about that. The Vizcaya yeah, is, a, yeah. is a giant, it's like 27-acre historical museum uh, in Florida. That was uh, built uh, decades and decades ago, uh, and there was a very famous supposed heist that took place there about a year or so before Punch was born. It'll be like 1970-something, 71, maybe? 1971, March 22nd, 1971. And what, uh, you want me to tell the real story or you want to tell the news story? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think the news story is interesting because um, it, it plays into what has happened there. You know what I mean? And, you know, uh, upon our discovery, you know, we found this other career criminal um, who is, is almost, you know, he's taking claim to the height, to a height that also occurred at the Vizcaya. Okay? Right. Um, and, you know, we contact, I contacted him, you know, Punch and I both contacted him, and he was nice, super nice to tell us his, his version of the story. And, you know, um, what we kind of came up with is that the guy, the guard, who was in on the whole, you know, in on the heist, he was in dire straits, and he was, oh, in, yeah. he, was, he was in a lot of trouble. And my theory is that he had multiple people set up, like, come there to do heist just to cover himself. That's right. That's my feeling exactly. Yeah. So, so what happened was when, when Stan and Bronca, they came in, they saw an opportunity instead of like 
kind of waiting around, and do, he took the opportunity and took what he wanted and left. Yeah, and he talked to the guy before he left. Uh, yeah, Bronca, that's uh, Punch's mom, and Mr. Stan, yeah. that's the dad. Yeah. They are, told, they are asked to go to the Vizcaya Museum to pick up a Rolls Royce that's been delivered there for the ambassador to uh, Sweden or whatever it is, uh, yeah. uh, Mr. Taylor who lived in a yeah. building that Stan was responsible for. So he flies uh, Stan and Bronca down down there, and Stan has been contacted by a friend of his, uh, named, uh, nicknamed Texas, <laughs> uh, who says, yeah. you're going down by the Vizcaya? He says, there's a guard there that has gambling debts, and what he does is he pilfers silver items out of the yeah. museum and yeah. uh, sells them on consignment <laughs> to pay off yeah. his gambling debts. In fact, he, uh, he's got a whole bunch of it. If you, if, you know, you, we, we could go get it as long as we're down there. Yeah. And, and so the guard had put a whole bunch of silver in like these seven uh, Louis Vuitton suitcases, <laughs> put them yeah. in a closet, and all Stan and his wife have to do is go there, pick, take the suitcases out of the closet, put them in the, over the Rolls Royce, and drive back but, to New York. But, but I don't think that's. I don't think that's what. I don't think. They took the bags that were already organized for that. No, no, you're right. Here's the two, here's the two different batches. When Stan goes to leave with the suitcases of the Rolls Royce, the suitcases are filled with uh, stuff from the museum, the guard starts yeah. to freak out. And he tries yeah. to stop. He says, don't go, don't go. He says, yeah. well, I want you to go at midnight. I got a whole other... The stuff that's on display, the silver, the rare silver that's on display, that... You can take it midnight tonight because it's still on display now. The other stuff is ancillary. You know, it's extra stuff. And Stan yeah. says, no, I'm not sticking around. I got the uh, the suitcases loaded up. Yeah. Heading back to New York. Yeah. His partner, Alex, who has got a big blue van, says, okay, what's the story here, Mr. Guard? And the guard says, come back at midnight and take this other stuff, which is the stuff that's on display. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there'll be two things. Well, that's what supposedly transpires. The guard yeah, yeah, tells yeah. this huge story about these guys come with, stick a gun to his yeah. head, and they tie him up, and they, they drag him. They did that. They did that. They, they did that. The guy, the guy that did all that. They, so, so what happened was Bronca and Stan and Alex, you know, who's another key, key, key figure in the Pink Panther organization, they got caught uh, two days later, okay, uh, because they were already under surveillance from another heist a couple months before that where they took millions and millions and millions of dollars from another spot on Madison Avenue. So they were already being watched, okay, from that. Um, <clears throat> and when they got arrested, there were pieces recovered yes. from, the Vizcaya, from the Vizcaya Museum. Now, okay. but the cops did not know about the Vizcaya heist when they went they there. They didn't know about the Vizcaya. But, but in the article that was written in the New York Times on the 23rd, it says that it's possible that those that some of the stuff recovered from the house was from the museum heist. Mm -hmm. Okay? Some of so, it was. And then, and then <laughs> what happened was, okay, so the Vizcaya claims $1.5 million for the stuff was stolen, right? Yeah. Now, on the 27th, of, uh, of that same week, okay, five days after that Bronca and Alex and Stan gets arrested, two guys from the same town in Miami, um, two, two boys, 19, 19 and old, 21, yeah. 19 years old boys, young boys, were caught in New Jersey with about $400,000 worth of stuff stolen from the Vizcaya.
which is twice as much as what Stan and Bronca had. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so you're like, okay, so the 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 whole story is just so insane. It's a it's a huge twist, okay. And the guy now you have to think of it like this, right? So the guy who got caught, all of his crimes. He was a career criminal. He did he did prison time. He did a lot of prison time, you know, throughout the years. Yeah. But all of his all of his career criminal choices were very very low budget. Yeah. We're very, we're very low class. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, he wasn't sophisticated. So, he wasn't. He wasn't sophisticated by any means. You know what I mean? Uh, even when you, t- you know, uh, it, it just didn't happen. So when you, when you put all of the things together, you have to start questioning that guy's story because, you know, he he claims he just he was having a date with his wife. And they found two screws loose in a door, and that's how they were able to get it in the museum later on. But he also mentions that the friend, his two friends that he did it with were drug addicts. He didn't say he was a, dr- a junkie. Right, he was right. a junkie. But so, so junkies and gamblers, they kind of they run in the same packs. You know what I mean? And, and they're the same type of degenerate in, my, in most of my mind. You know? Um, so did, did this other guy... Really pull off, you know. He claims that he went there with towels. He had all these towels to wrap all the ju- silver in. You know, there's just a lot of things that are just kind of a funky tune. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but maybe he did. Maybe the guard, you know. I think the guard had all sorts of side games. He owed yeah, a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah. He was freaking out. He was yeah. freaking out, and and in case you know, Stan, in case Stan and Alex, they left. They yeah, well, well Stan, Stan left in the afternoon. Alex came back at midnight and picked up some more stuff. Yeah, well, whatever the case is. Yeah, exactly. So, you, 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 we're going to, the guy is kind of like, you know, putting the whole story out there. You know, he's letting us know, and we're going to, we're going to include it, what we're doing, because it's too good. And I think the guard, he was freaked out about money. Stan had just taken all the money that he had taken and left back to New York. So, the guy didn't know if he was ever going to get paid from that that gig. Yeah, because it was a consignment gig. Yeah, yeah, consignment. So you don't know he didn't maybe. And then he was like telling his junkie friends, like, "Yo, guys, you got to come back and get this stuff, just you know in case." I mean? so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and you got to think of it like this: Bronco was young, right? Yeah, he was super young. So maybe out, maybe Stan had a moment of clarity where he was like, "You know what? I'm here with my wife. She's never done this before." I'm putting her in a bad position. I'm just going to take a couple little things. I'm going to get her wet behind the ears. I'm going to get her used to this. I'm going to see if she's open to the idea of stealing. And then, and she was. <laughs> yeah. She was. Well, victimless so, crime. You know, we're heavily insured. Yeah. Yeah, this is cool. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, these things, all of these, this world, this underworld has a very heavy, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's not a safe place. Mm. It's certainly not a safe place for women. You know what I mean? But yeah. but Bronco turns out she was a wolf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> turns out she was a wolf. Have you, you met know? her? Have you met her yet? No, I've only talked to her. and I, Oh, know, she's I, wonderful. I she's beautiful. She's yeah. fabulous. She's smart. But she's still yeah. afraid that someone's going to come arrest her for something she did 40 years ago. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> they're not, Bronco. They're not going to come arrest you, honey. Honest, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, so, but I'll protect um, you, honey. You just come a little closer. <laughs> You'll be safe here. Crawl under these covers. You'll feel better. You'll feel more secure. That's funny. So yeah. So all all of these things, 
and and you know, and you're discovering when you're as we're working through this thing and discovering all these other things. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's interesting, you know. You know what? We stumble across stuff sometimes. It just blows your mind. Uh, there's a story that's uh, that will be in the forthcoming uh, a book, which hopefully will be out sometime in the very in the near future, sometime this year, I hope. Where uh, and we've had Punch tell the story uh, on the air, where uh, uh, he goes back into a place, Miracle Watch Company, and winds up uh, oh, yeah. getting arrested because he broke one of his own rules. He went back in after he was out. Yeah, and yeah. the guy who's working with him is a guy who likes to pretend he's Punch's brother. Uh, back to yeah. you, uses the name of uh, uh, Peter Stanimirovich instead of where Punch is Paul Stanimirovich, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, always claimed to be Punch's brother, which he really wasn't, except spiritually, perhaps. His real name is Zoran Jacek. Jacek, that came to say his name right. Uh, who uh, <laughs> got, what, 30 years uh, for uh, bringing yeah. in tankers full of cocaine from South America? Uh, yeah, he's Zoran the bad dude. Zoran started. A, like an international, you know, uh, gang called Grupa Americana. That's I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he it, was, it was like, you ever see this movie? You ever see these movies where it's like there's an international bad guy, like a James Bond bad guy? Yeah, who's yeah. Traveling the world. I mean, let's put a list. Listen, I know what it's like smuggling drugs because I did it for a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I smuggled a lot of drugs, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of drugs. I know how hard it is. And that was a little bit of amount compared to what this guy was doing. He was doing tankers full of it. Yeah, tankers. <laughs> Fucking, this guy was shipping shipping containers full of cocaine and heroin around the world. You have to be at such a high level in the criminal world, meaning judges and cops and politicians and the ability to get to all these things. You have to be at such a high level of a criminal in order to do what that guy did. Unfortunately, he paid the price, just like Pablo Escobar and all these other guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so Zoran uh, isn't, is, you know, isn't a killer. Uh, you know, he was, he did what, what Punch was doing. He was part of Punch's crew. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they go, oh, well, let's try this. Hey, I'm making, yeah. you know. And when, when he got arrested, Punch calls me up and goes, you want to go to Peru? You got a passport. And I said, yeah, I've been to Peru before. I do have a passport. <laughs> and he said, well, my buddy, you know, my, my brother, uh, Zoran, is, uh, you know, they're going to put him away for like 30 years or something. Uh, yeah. and, you know, uh, let's go talk to him. He'll, you know, he'll talk to you because yeah. you're my friend and uh, we're pals. That's right? so just yeah. to be a nice exclusive. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. The guy, that guy's story is pretty incredible, too. But, you know, I mean, all of these guys, I've, I've had the pleasure, you know, um, I don't know, has, has Punch talked about the moth? Uh, oh, yes, I talked to the moth a lot. Yeah, you know, um, I've had the pleasure to sit down and Skype with a lot of these guys in Europe and listen to them because, you know, uh, you know, we're working on the network of all this stuff to sell it to the media. Uh, and, and these guys are just so intense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these guys are so intense. They, 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 they're, when they speak... They're very clear and fluid about everything they did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And only only people that were only people that were there could tell that story like that. Yeah, you, you know can't I mean? BS like, you know, your way through a story like that. Yeah, you can't. You cannot. You cannot. Uh, you cannot fabricate. You have to be there in order to talk very fluid about the, these stories. Yeah. One of the things I always found fascinating is going back before, even before Punch was born. I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Inside Man. Uh, Tony Foster. Back. 
Ah. Jodie Foster, Denzel Washington. That's right. That's the movie. And, and in part, uh, part of the, 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 well, the title of the movie, Inside Man, is what Mr. Stan was famous for after the fact. And that is, the alarms go off, the, the security guys show up, the cops show up. Must be a false alarm. Everything's fine. The vault's still all locked. Nothing's disturbed. And they leave. Where's Mr. Stan? Inside the vault. <laughs> He's already inside, sitting there, patiently waiting for the cops and security guys to leave. And then he takes everything out of the vault. The other thing Mr. Stan did that I thought was brilliant, and I have direct quotes from him on this. He said, one of the things we did is we figured, well, you got the big vault. It's real, you know, supposed to be a sturdy thing, and you can't get in from here, you can't get in from there. But what's underneath it? The floor. It's just a regular floor. (laughs) That's all. It's just a floor. So we bring this hydraulic guy, bump, take the floor, you know, take the ceiling out, which is the floor. (laughs) Find Paul Simon in between the two of them. And you pull the thing out. You go in, take everything out of the vault, put the floor back, go home. (laughs) You know what's so uh, funny? You know what's so funny? Is that when you talk to these guys about it, they're like, it's like brainless to them. They're like, yeah, you just fucking go through the floor. Yeah, you go through the floor. You talk to other people, you're like, they're like, wow, those guys are crazy masterminds. But when you talk to them, they like, just, makes they're, sense. Just like, they're just like, it's logical. Just go through the floor. I'm not a brain science. You just go through the fucking floor. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's how, that's how these guys operate, and that's how they think, and that's what made them so dangerous. Well, you, you know, know the, the first, supposedly the first time that uh, Mr. Stan does this is he's trying to do a little retaliation on, a, on this, this company that treated him very poorly. And they had all their money in this particular vault. And uh, he's having a heck of a... And he was given the, the, the combinations, and, you know, an inside guy gave him the combo. And it's not yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. It's not working. Yeah. And he's so frustrated. Yeah, I met that guy. I, we, I met that guy, by the way. Uh, he's, he's so frustrated. He takes the, the this hammer... And throws it at the vault. It goes right through the side of it like it's paper mache. Yeah. yeah and he goes, what? <laughs> it was all very formidable from the front. But from the side, yeah. it was just like Swiss cheese. So <laughs> he cracked up laughing. And they decided then there must be a lot more of these. <laughs> Do you remember, Pearl? Yeah, no. Do you remember you the, what, re- like, the remake of The Lady you- Killers? Uh, what was it? We got uh, a remake of the Lady Killers, the yeah, one with Alec Guinness. I remember that one. Tom Hanks. Tom, I didn't see That's that movie. Oh, it's a it's a it's a riot. Um, they uh, they're robbing a riverboat. Yeah. But they yeah. don't rob the boat. They go from a property next door. Uh-huh. Get jobs to be work at night when the place is closed. They open the wall, tunnel through. It's just like to the Stan vault. and Punch. Take everything out, refill the hole they dug, yeah, and then they repair and repaint the wall and leave with the cash. Yeah, well, so that's exactly what Stan and Punch used no to do. No evidence of the crime or how yeah. it was committed. Yeah, it feels like how did they do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, that was I the mo- the that was the moth's idea. Uh, we mentioned it was, there was this gold manufacturer or whatever gold jewelry place, and. It was so difficult to get in, get out. And the boss said, well, what if we dug a tunnel? You know, if, if our warehouse that we're renting across the street here is on the same level as theirs, we could do a tunnel. It may take us several months, but we could go in, get everything, and take it all out. Well, let's try it. Worked. 
Yeah, I mean, these guys had time on their hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as we're busy robbing everybody, uh, but make sure they're insured. They always made sure that the people were yeah. insured or overinsured. And one of the times they, yeah. they were wrong, oh, punch felt so bad. Yeah. The guy didn't only had to, you know just had the minimum, so he had to make it up to the guy. Gee, I'm really sorry, you know, because the guy's supposed to make money when they rob you. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so everybody <laughs> wins. You know, some of these, some of the findings on these guys, like, you know, they were they were preparing for jobs in Chicago and New York. They were, you know, they were these guys were a state to state. These guys were heavy. You know, they would they would fly all around the United States, all around the world, and pull mm-hmm. off these jobs. And you know, Keenan, I know what he he like he he like watermarked, you know, with invisible paint or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his some of these magnesium rods that were used to you know cut through the steel. Yeah, <laughs> and he was marking them, and then when they would be when they would show up at you know jobs, they would be able to look at them. They would say, okay, who bought these? They would go back to the stores and find out. That's right. Same oh, way you catch a, 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 what we call a mail bombers. You catch them that same way. Yeah. These guys were, 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 were doing jobs in Chicago. They were doing jobs in Illinois. They were in California. And all of these rods that were being bought in New York were finding being fought found all over the United States. Yeah. So these guys, these guys, they weren't. They didn't stay local. <laughs> they weren't two-bit hustlers. You know what I mean? No. These guys. These guys were, were were like gypsies, Romania thieves, like you know what I mean. And they lived by the, their code of silence, but that was very serious. That went back to like the pre, you know, back 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 to when steam was rising from the surface of the planet and dinosaurs exactly. roamed the earth. Exactly, <laughs> you know. And I, and I grew up with Albanians, you know, and then the Russians in New York. They were a lot different than the the Italians. Oh yeah, so you can't put two Albanians in the same room without there being a fight eventually. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so so you know these guys. I mean, they 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 weren't they were real they were real criminals, real masterminds. You know, for everything they did. Well, this fellow we were calling the moth, who is my friend on Facebook, <laughs> and a fine professional musician as well, he would broker all the deals from the famous Bruno Sulak uh, over in France. Yeah, and he could uh, he spilled okay, and he invented a device. That could open any lock anywhere, put the thingy in, and you don't have to be a locksmith. Yeah, I, I know. I've seen. I've, bro, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a lock. Um, it basically shoots out the pin. Uh, you know, it shoots out the pins and shoots out the lock within seconds. Like yeah, it's you know, amazing. These guys, these, these you guys get it anywhere. These guys, yeah, these guys were real. Were like James Bond. They were really like the real. You know, Q from James Bond. Oh, exactly. Built, yeah, yeah. These guys built tools. These guys, you know, figured out how to do stuff on the fly. They were smart. They worked out. Oh, they had a they custom were, built know, ladder uh, and all other yeah. custom built tools for you know so they could get out of places yeah. that they got into. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Stan always said he wanted one of those James Bond jet packs so the guy could yeah. fly away. <laughs> but the closest thing yeah. they had is 1970. Yeah, they were 1970. When we first started doing these uh, heists in the Diamond District for the heavily insured uh, who were feeling being ripped off by the insurance companies, uh, they couldn't figure out how these guys were getting away. The, the alarms would go off, the security guards would come, the cops would come. And the company that's being robbed is like on the 13th floor, right? So they 
God, the elevator's turned off. I got 13 flights of stairs. You get there, doors locked from the inside right, with super glue in the locks. The <laughs> cops can't get it. Well, how the hell are these guys going to get away? They couldn't figure it out. Finally, they got night vision goggles that they were using you know, over in Vietnam to figure out how the hell are these guys getting away? They look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. <laughs> What they're seeing is, it's like circus acrobats going between the skyscrapers, rappelling on ropes. These aren't Pat Pasta stuffed mafia thugs. These are (laughs) trained professional athletes, strongmen, midgets, uh, bearded ladies, you name it. They'd hire it. And they get it done. So they're watching. It's like going to Barnum and Bailey Circus. These guys are flying through the air with yeah. bags of jewels <laughs> from a skyscraper to skyscraper. That's how they're getting away. They couldn't even, you know, chase after them. Who else could do that? Nobody. <laughs> no, I know. Can you imagine Punch uh, jumping from buildings? Well, he did. He used to. In fact, <laughs> one of the first ones he did, when he was, what, 15 and a half years old, the cops come in on him and there he is and they chase him and he runs and dives out the window it's like the 10th floor right and they go and they try to chase after him he is leaping like a panther from air conditioning unit to air conditioning unit in the back of 47th street the one cop tries to go after him and crashes into the garbage cans down below he didn't get killed but you know it's dangerous back there Trust me, those cops in the 80s, and they were not chasing punch like that. <laughs> no, let's dive out the window and see if we can keep up with him. Can you imagine the NYPD doing, like, rooftop, um, oh, no. you know, at the academy? Like, academy <laughs> rooftop, you know, uh, jump. Jump, jump, like, jump, I dare you. <laughs> these guys were the original parkour. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. That, ju- that jump from buildings. Like, the, the Pink Panthers, you know, punch, and them were, like, the original parkour guys. No, they, they did. They were doing that. They were yeah. Yeah, rappelling from skyscraper to skyscraper, swinging through the air like, like I said, like circus acrobats. Well, you know, I know, I know you haven't walked through New York City with Punch. I but, plan on it. You know, <laughs> this guy when he was when we were on Forty Seventh Street. You know, I was telling before we ran into the, one of the guys. You know, one of the old old guys that you know gave him you know helped him out in the, in, in that year was years, and we and they were embracing each other, hugging each other, loving on each other, like. It was the most amazing thing to see them, you know. And when we were walking through the different buildings, mm-hmm. Punch, it was like he never left the building. Oh yeah, he was he was so fluid, and he walked, he you know, very diligent, you know, straightforward. He was like, "Hey guys, we'll get in the vault right now, and in 15 seconds we'll be in the vault." And 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 my and the one kid that you know works with us in our company, he was with him, and he has and he has a GoPro. And within 15 seconds, they were inside the vault. They were literally, he walked through the building, he walked through the building like he owned it, and he was there, and within 15 seconds, they were inside the vault. And Punch turns, turns around to, you know, our partner, and he's like, he told you. And now if they had their tools, he would have had all those boxes open. Like yeah. He was, like, he was, Punch was, like, sweating. Like, he was, like. Oh, he was in his element. <laughs> he was in his element. He was like, you he's know, like Arthur Murray in a dance studio. <laughs> yeah, I mean that guy when he was on Forty Seventh Street. When we walked around Forty Seventh, Forty Sixth Street, you know, Forty Eighth Street, and he was uh, revisiting all of the stuff. And we went upstairs. We would go in the elevators. We were walking up the stairs. We were going in and out of the offices, and 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 he and right. 
And without, without hesitation, when people stopped us or when, you know, tenants were, we were like, we were just walking into some of the factories. We walked right into, Punch walked, ended up walking right into a guy making rings and diamonds and stuff like that. And he was there by himself with, with millions and millions of dollars worth of diamonds. And Punch turns around, looks at me, and I'm like, this guy has no idea how much, how how could possibly be in right now, you know? And, 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 and punch, punch turns to me, and he's like, see? Like, this is how easy it was. 47th Street, and he was explaining to us, was built to steal. It was built to steal, Yeah, you know? And before, and before Giuliani came in and had every, all the uh, gold manufacturers move themselves because of, like, the refinery process, um, you know, they had to leave New York City and leave 47th Street so it doesn't have as many people on it anymore. It's yeah. dead. It's very, you know, it's, it's glum, you know what I mean? It's kind of ugly, you know? But 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 when I tell you Punch was like a, he, he was like a super fucking hero walking through these buildings and right into the vaults, like right in. He, got, he was able to get us right in. Well, yeah, that, part of that's the energy. Uh, and, and when people were stopping us, what I was saying before is people were stopping us, he jumped right into character. Oh, yeah. He, he, without a beat, without missing a beat. And he got them comfortable with him, you know, because he's, like, tall, he's good-looking, yeah. he's tan. And even, know, he, like, even in his disguise with a beard and glasses and a hat. Yeah, yeah, even disguised with a beard. You know, he went there disguised, yeah, you know, he's got nice clothes, he wears very nice clothes, you know, and, and, and these people felt comfortable with him. And, you know, he's smiling and he's, you know, he's using his Very charm. personable, Dude, yeah. he has all of it. He has all of the qualities. He learned. He learned. He, he acquired a lot of that by watching his dad. His dad had a natural yeah, gift 100%. for it. And his mom. And his mom. Oh, mom's gorgeous. Mom was a bombshell. Yeah. Mom was a bombshell. So Boy. you know, he learned all that stuff. I mean, look, they raised a super criminal. You know, they got him when he was young. You know, and they raised started him. Started trading him before he was ten. Uh, the guy who worked for his dad, they called him Billy the Kid because he looked younger than he was. He used to take Punch out to stores. Okay, practice stealing now that he's paying the paying the store yeah. for everything Punch is stealing. You know, but we want him to learn how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great, man. Seeing him, seeing him walk. The one thing like, I really wanted in the documentary, uh, yeah, but, doing it. is that in the back of Forty Seventh Street, Punch stashed several fortunes in diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I would always say for the past three years that we was when you come, we, he was supposed to come up there a couple of years ago, uh, yeah. and meet me there with, along with uh, Matthew Watts. And uh, so we'll go there. We'll get uh, Baruch Santana or uh, somebody. I <laughs> that name, Baruch Santana. <laughs> what a great name. Uh, we'll go to uh, see if you can remember where you uh, stashed all those. I remember. He said, we'll see if they're still there. And he checked the law. Yeah, you know, it's one of those finders keepers things by now. <laughs> Whoever possesses them owns them. So that would be nice. Did I lose you? Did we lose him? No, I'm here. Oh, you there? Oh, okay. I thought maybe you, you were spacing out thinking about all those diamonds that have been back on 47th Street. <laughs> They're there waiting yeah, for I us. I, I know, I know. <laughs> it's like chasing after Capone's hidden money. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Geraldo yeah. Rivera's going to open the safe. <laughs> and you know what they found inside, don't you? Nothing. Listen. There's uh, a joke you know to what? this. <laughs> if, if, if he sat, I don't know where he stashed him. He didn't tell me where he stashed him, but he's like, He's like, we got to go get them. I'm like, <laughs> like you know, I don't know, Punch. You know, I don't know anything about that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, but he, oh, he, he, he says like, he wants yeah, to send a drone, a little drone in there to make sure they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, like ba back when Geraldo Rivera was opening Al Capone's safe, 
at the uh, where was the Aladdin or the wherever the heck yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Uh, I was doing the uh, the advertising uh, and promotion for the Aladdin Theater for the Performing Arts at the time, and so uh, it, there was a big rock concert or something at the. Uh, Aladdin. So we, we timed everything for when Geraldo's opening the safe, right? And so we did it like a news actuality, but it was really a commercial, but it's not like a news actuality. They're opening the Al Capone safe, and inside, two tickets to Grand, Grand Funk Railroad, which was the band that was playing at the concert. Yeah. So that, that's what he had in the safe. Do you remember the Hitchcock's last movie, Family Plot? Yep. With the, with the, yep. A Dern. And uh, what's her name? <laughs> Remember where they hit the diamonds? No, I don't. At the end of the film, he looks up at the chandelier. Oh. They had built a chandelier, and all the little baubles were the diamonds. Bobble, baubles were diamonds. <laughs> I like that. Hiding it in plain sight. Yep, that's the best place to hide. When you read like the articles and you read some of the case files and stuff, and they're talking about how these diamonds were... They were never being found, like, nothing was being resold on the street. Never. You know, they were like, it was amazing how nothing was showing back up on the street. First of all, it's how stupid these fucking cops are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, hello, they were breaking them down and refining them. And, and building them a fake way. paper trail in case they were ever questioned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the most boring part of being a sophisticated uh, heist master. Yeah, having to make <laughs> Having to make the fake paper, paper trail, make all the little yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's how yeah. Gemstones Trading uh, International, which had to, you yeah. know, their offices there in the Modell building, top floor. That's where their inventory came from. <laughs> Stole from somebody else who was perfectly happy to be robbed because they got full retail value within two day, two weeks. There's more than they could get. Uh, it's so it's so funny. The guy that I was talking about, you know, the guy that that pulled off the second heist at the um, this guy. He's he's. He's, he's literally texting me right now. I wonder if he's listening to us talk about him. <laughs> we're, we're talking about you. <laughs> we were talking about you. Sorry, Randall. But, um, you know, uh, the, these guys, I mean, they truly have the, the most unique story. And, and anytime I talk to anybody at Hollywood about it, and, uh, and you know, and then their main thing is, Sean, how do you know? And I've done so much research. Oh, yeah. Together. That's an interesting point you bring up there, Sean. Is I, it? I, I put together... Uh, you know, laser sharp proof and facts of everything. You know, pictures and I mean right. the whole kit and caboodle. I got like seven. I have like you know uh, I have a seven terabyte hard drive. I think like three and a half terabytes of it is Pink Panther stuff, related stuff, yaks. You know, breaking down into different categories each person because it's a character set of like thirty people. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so many people involved. And the story is so, you know, six degrees of separation. There's so many different things in the world that it's hard to ignore all of it. Well, the thing is interesting is when I first got together with Punch, the thing he was most adamant about was that it all could be validated. He wanted me to know for sure that he wasn't full of crap, that he wasn't just some sideline player who was making this up trying to get a book, that he really was who he said he was. And his dad really yeah. is who he says he is. And the mother who's, who, who's, who really is who she doesn't say she is. <laughs> but it's just, if you bring the subject up first, as long as you already know about it, she'll talk about it. But if you ask yeah, her, yeah, yeah, then she's yeah. not going to talk yeah. about it. Uh, Burrow? Yeah. Barbara Hershey and Karen Black. Thank you. Karen Black is the one I was thinking of. Are you doing the psychedelic robot in Dallas? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, about the great gallery, Vivens Gallery, down at um, the Crescent Building. They represent Punch and I uh, in some of our art stuff, and they're what a great couple. My, well, well, Michael and Karen Bivens, they own this beautiful gallery down at, uh, you know, in the Crescent Building in Dallas. Yeah. When? And When's the event? Well, there's multiple events. There's always events. There's, there's lots of events. So they always have, like, um, you know, they, we just did a project that lasted about nine months. Uh, now oh, you can have a baby building. in that amount of time. <laughs> yeah, now they have a new building that they're going to be designing uh, and doing some work with some really incredible companies. And uh, they're, they're nice enough to include Punch and I and, and everything they do. Fair enough. You know, so art, art, art really, really opens doors, you know? So yep. it's something that we have to embrace, you know? Bye. 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 We got to go. We're off. Talk to you later. Hey, Pearl. Yeah. What's next? Magic Ben Allen, the deepest of decadence, live in the Light of Lounge on Allo Radio, live.com. Oh, Want someone to show you around? Well, no one knows this place just quite like.